welcome to the To Be Honest podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with Ariel Tan, an international student at San Jose State University. Ariel enjoys all things creative, including painting and singing, and will be sharing a bit about her family life, the views on mental health in Singapore, her ADHD diagnosis, and what it was like becoming an international student. So welcome to the podcast, Ariel. Hi. <laughs> I like to ask every guest before we get into the interview, to be honest, how are you doing today? Um, today I'm feeling a little, a little down. <laughs> so I've been, I should, my room is a mess. You can't really tell. <laughs> my, room's a, my room is a little messy right now. Yeah. Um, so today I'll just plan to clean a little bit. Yeah. Just a little chill. Yeah. A little chill. That sounds yeah. nice. Yeah. I, I totally understand having those down days. Um, mm-hmm. but hopefully, I don't know if cleaning is therapeutic for you, but if it is, I hope that'll <laughs> give you like, me, yeah. yeah, good. I hope that gives you like a fresh start to the weekend and you can like go mm-hmm. enjoy the sun, sunshine this weekend. Cause it's supposed to be so yes. warm, which is nice. For I know. Once. <laughs> um, so to kind of like dive into things right away, um, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. So would you mind sharing a bit about your family life and your life? In Singapore before you came to the States? Um, so I was in Singapore for like the first 18 years of my life. Like two weeks after I turned 18, I came to the U.S. Um, I have my mom, my dad, a younger brother. Um, and then, yeah, after I finished high school, too, I stayed back a year in high school. So like I was technically 18 after I graduated um, and I came to the U.S. to do university. Yeah. And what was, did you have like a a good upbringing um what was like your family life like um I think my family life was pretty well <laughs> it was to me at that point of time I thought it was pretty chill I was like oh I think everyone like has like these feelings or like these like not problems but like these these situations that I'm that I'm in I think everyone goes I thought everyone went through the same thing but after being in the U.S. and like being more open-minded and watching videos and stuff Maybe that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, mm. yeah. So my upbringing is a little rocky. I I love my parents. I have a good relation. I would like to think I have a good relationship with them, but they have, um, you know, being in an Asian like society, they don't really know how to handle their feelings, um, and so then I don't know how to handle my feelings because I see my parents do the same thing. Um, but other than that, like I had a good childhood and there wasn't any like any traumatic experience. Yeah. It was a pretty okay. Yeah. 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 I think everyone kind of has their stuff, even if it's not mm-hmm. traumatic. Um, I know. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's completely normal. But yeah, would you mind describing a bit about what the culture in Singapore is like regarding mental health? I think Singapore, in regards with mental health, it's definitely more open now, but it's definitely still a quite a taboo t- uh, topic to talk about, along with like sex like sex Mm -hmm. education and like that whole aspect like my parents have never talked to me about like um sexual education when I was a kid like did well I had to learn birds and bees in school (laughs) the teachers taught me that but like the only thing they told me was like don't do it like abstinence same thing with mental health it's also like it's these very taboo topics that no one really likes to bring up um my mom my mom kind of knew that I wasn't like I wouldn't say normal but I wasn't really quite the normal kid when I was a kid because I was always daydreaming. I wasn't really paying attention. She just didn't know how to help me. She didn't know who to go to to help me. So I struggled in school for <laughs> the next few years, <laughs> the next many, many years. Um, but yeah, it's definitely not like uh, once you talk about being sad, once you talk about like 
anything negative, they're like, oh, there are people who are doing so much worse than you. Or like, oh, just suck it up, you know, and all that. Um, that's why, like, even in school, they have such a big emphasis on, like, doing well in school and, like, keeping, like, being up to par with your peers and, like, keeping on track. If you were, like, like, let's say for me, I stayed back a year. That's considered, like, that's looked down upon. Like, oh, you stayed back a year? Are you dumb or are you stupid? Which, in, in fact, it's, you know, some people just take a little longer. And I don't think there's a, there's any to shame that. But anytime you talk about anything negative or, like, oh, I'm feeling... A little maybe a little suicidal or like all that they're like oh pause no you can't do that that's like not a thing yeah so i think um it's very common for people in singapore to not be honest with their feelings or have the tendency to hide their feelings and even they themselves are like oh yeah, i feel sad but i don't think i'm allowed to feel sad if that makes sense yeah. yeah yeah definitely i feel like in america like we have I feel like the stigma is not as severe, but there is mm. obviously still like pockets of oh, the yeah. country where like the the stigma still exists exactly like mm. that. But this is kind of a big question. But do you have any like understanding of why the the stigma exists around mental health in Singapore? I don't really know because I kind of I think people always associate like oh if you're like um, in the Asian like majority Asian like society people are more conservative, mm-hmm. especially the older generation. And obviously if we, that's the people that we learn from our parents. Like if your parents tell you to not do a thing, you'll hear like, okay, I'll, I'll listen. And like that kind of continues. Yeah. Um, so I'm not really sure why that is, why we're, I think it's just like passed down from however long ago. Yeah. yeah. But I'm glad that um, my generation are the ones that are like, hey, it's okay to talk about these things and even are the ones to convince our parents to be like, hey, you know, I need you to know that I'm feeling sad and, like, I am this, I am that and you have to listen and you can't be, like, no, like, bad reactions, like, just listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm glad Generation is trying to, like, not, you know, make it make a change, basically. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like I hate depending on, like, younger generations or just, like, mm-hmm. you know, like, a new crop of, of I know. young people. But it's so nice to know that, like, these cycles are being broken. So mm-hmm. um, just a shout out to all the younger generations for breaking <laughs> those cycles. Um, and even mm-hmm. people like you who are, you know, having those tough conversations with your parents or just, like, family members in general. Mm-hmm. So I'm just kind of curious, like, what made you originally decide to come to the States um, from Singapore? Um, It wasn't my choice. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't my choice to come here. Basically, um, in Singapore, after, like, uh, the last year of your high school is when you take a major exam. The Singapore education system is a little, it's really hard to explain. But Mm -hmm. basically, there's a major exam you have to take um, at the end of your high school years. and that kind of really determines where you're going to go from there on, which is really sad because that piece of paper will kind of determine what you're going to do in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I I stayed back a year because I failed my math. <laughs> I failed math, so I had to stay back a year. Um, and then I retook it, and I didn't really get good grades. So And I had cousins who came to the U.S. before and, had, and did the same route I did. Mm-hmm. So they went to Foothill College, and then they transferred to whatever university – and then they went on from there. So because I had cousins who did the same thing, I think there are some relatives that are like, hey, maybe Ariel would have a better chance overseas than in Singapore. Um, so then the decision was made for me to go. And also because I was like 18, mm-hmm. I didn't know what I was. I didn't I, I knew I wasn't big on the like idea of coming to the U.S., 
but I didn't know how to say no. Mm-hmm. I, was, I just went along with it. So I yeah. was like, okay. And I was like, maybe I should have said something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That was the, it was basically just for me to have a, they, they, uh, people in my family just thought that I would have a better chance, um, be it in my school or career, if mm-hmm. I came to the US. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But man, what a big change that had to I be know. for you. <laughs> um, I can't imagine like, I don't know what the culture shock would be like, but I'm assuming it would be pretty big. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, what was your experience like as an international student when you first came here? I think culturally, I didn't have like too, too much of a shock because, you know, there's like YouTube videos and like all that. You kind of mm-hmm. like know, like, oh my God, that's a Target. Yeah. <laughs> that's a Walmart. <laughs> and that's like so cool. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I, I, there wasn't like too, too much of like um, culturally, like all that uh, of a shock. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely, it was definitely hard to um, meet new friends because I'm very introverted. So it was very hard for me to like go out and like talk to people like when I meet them in like orientation and stuff. I'm lucky enough that English is my first language mm-hmm. um, and then I'm fluent in English so I can at least like communicate with people. So I can't imagine like being like not fluent in English and trying to and being international and like trying to converse with these people and you're trying to like say things but you can't convey with the limited English you have. So I, I'm still okay that I, it was hard for me to transition but it was still okay for me. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I imagine if you can't speak the language, it's it's much harder. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, is that like a? I just this is me kind of being mm-hmm. a little ignorant, but is English like taught in schools in Singapore? Oh, yeah. I thought, so, okay. Um, English is so in Singapore. There's a lot of different races. Mm-hmm. So Chinese is the majority. I'm Chinese. Then there's Malays and Indians, and they're like people who like immigrate into Singapore. The common language and the language that we all use is English. Um, obviously not as fluent or like as perfect as how I'm speaking right now it's definitely our slang Mm -hmm. if you go to Singapore you might not understand it because there's a lot of different dialects and different languages mixed into it Mm -hmm. but it's majority English and then obviously if you're Chinese you learn your different mother tongue so if you're Chinese you learn Chinese if you're Malay you learn Malay yeah (laughs) Indian you learn Tamil like Hindu and all that so um, you definitely have a second language, but the common language we all use is English. And then during the t- pandemic or at the start of coronavirus, when it was first here, um, you eventually went back to Singapore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what was that? What was that like to readjust to being in Singapore after being in the States for a while and like during lockdown? I think the biggest challenge was the weather because yeah. I actually <laughs> really like the weather here. Mm-hmm. It's like you don't really sweat here. It's very nice. Yeah. But um, other than that, um, it was a little hard because I think after coming to the U.S., I kind of lost touch with a lot of the friends I had in Singapore. It's been a while since I talked to most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was a struggle. And like, yes, I'm in the I uh, yes, I'm in Singapore, but uh, we can't go out. Like, there's a limit. Like, either we either you completely can't go out, or you can only go out in twos. Or, like, this restrictions are always changing. But it was very hard to like meet up with them, especially because we're all busy with school too. Yeah. Um, and it, it's hard, right? Like, because your friend is right there in the same country as you are, but you can't really meet them. Yeah. Um, or any, and I feel sad because like, oh, I lost touch with this person. I want to re- I want to reach out, but it's hard for both of us right now, especially during COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, during COVID, I I just stayed at home. Like, I mean, that's all we could do. Yeah. But I just I just stayed at home. I just did. Uh, online school and yeah just I just pretty much just kept to myself maybe talk to one or two friends but yeah Mm -hmm. 
Was the was there a specific reason why you decided to go back to Singapore during uh, the pandemic? Mainly because the government was asking all of us to go back. Oh, okay, <laughs> and I think it was more in high in like not thinking about it. It was a good choice for me to go back because mm-hmm. Singapore is very efficient in the way it handled it. Um, compared to the U.S., because yeah. the U.S. is much, much, much bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Singapore is very small, so it's easier to control and like have restrictions and stuff. Um, yeah, but the the plan was for me to. Well, the I went back because uh, I think we just thought it was safer for me, and my parents just wanted me to be back, mm-hmm. so they're not like too too worried. Like I'm in their house, they like kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. What what's going on with me and stuff? Yeah. 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 I'm sure it was nice to be around family, even if you get sick of them. Mm-hmm. That. <laughs> I'm sure I would too. I know. Um, and then you came back to the United States. Um, I don't know how recently that was, but you mm-hmm. enrolled in San Jose State. Um, so what ex- what was that experience like for you coming back um, and going to like a four year university? Mm-hmm. And yeah, what was that like? Um. So basically, after I uh, went back to Singapore during COVID, I had like one more quarter left before I transferred to San Jose State. So my whole first year of San Jose State was online. Mm -hmm. And being online, like, especially because I'm introverted, it was so hard for me to like reach out and like talk to new friends. Yeah. And it's even weirder because it's like not actually like, I feel, I I think for me, um, through a screen, it feels a little impersonal. I like I like talking to people like IRL because I can like kind of see um, their body language and like their tone and stuff. Like obviously you can see that in the screen, but it's still a little you know, a little iffy. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to make friends. And then uh, coming back to the states, um, the first year, um, yeah, maybe like the yeah first year, I was still like very like I I moved to a apartment complex that had like roommate uh, matches, so. I was like, oh, these three roommates are really nice. I became friends with them. And then I'm like, that's it. Like, I didn't go to any school events. I didn't join any clubs. I was like, okay, I have these three friends. Um, and that's it. And then we stopped being friends <laughs> because of some issues. And then I was like, okay. And it, I, I learned to be by myself. And like, you know, I was still really shy. Like, it took me a really long time because I'm introverted by in general. Mm-hmm. But I think COVID really, like, uh, amplified and like re- yeah I really amplified that so it was really hard for me to like want to approach people without feeling like I'm bothering them yeah. or, like for them to think I'm weird or something mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so but yeah but then um I want to say last September or last October um I joined a school club and then from there I really found my group of friends I even found my boyfriend there so it's a nice thing yeah. <laughs> but from there then I like slowly started to open up but it was definitely a struggle, like, first coming back after COVID to, like, talk to new people because I think it's, especially because we still had to wear a mask, too. Mm-hmm. So it was hard to, like, under, like, it's hard to envision what they look like, first yeah. of all, but also, like, <laughs> but also be like, mm, what is your facial expression under the mask? Mm-hmm. Like, do you want to talk to me or, like, you know? Yeah. 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 I can imagine there's so many layers to your experience, like, being an international student and, like, getting used to the culture again and then mm-hmm. being introverted COVID, yeah. COVID really yeah <laughs> COVID really was a big thing yeah and COVID yeah it's just like all these things kind of at once and the fact that you you yeah. put yourself out there um I think is really great and it's nice that you were able to find like a group of friends um were there like any specific clubs or activities that you joined that um 
you think were like more welcoming or I don't know, enjoyable for it's you? It's really weird because the the thing that the club that I joined was a fitness club because mm-hmm. <laughs> I really I wanted to start going to the gym for like uh, health reasons because yeah. I'm not very athletic. <laughs> I'm like I pant after I go up a flight of stairs, so I'm like that's a change. <laughs> I'm only twenty two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I joined a fitness club, and then from there, um, I invited. I think the catalyst was I invited people to come to my birthday. Nice. Um, yeah. And then we started a group chat. And then in the group chat, we started talking and like getting to know each other more and then, like making plans to go out and stuff. Then like, you know, I think uh, if you want to meet new people, I think fitness clubs are a good like place to start because in the gym, really no one really judges. Mm-hmm. Unless, okay, it, some weird people do judge yeah. but like most people most like gym bros or like all that mm-hmm. or fitness people they're very willing to help they're very open to helping you yeah um, as long as you ask um i want to say like more maybe like cultural clubs or because they're very open to sharing their culture and like they're uh, welcoming um maybe at some like like things like history clubs and stuff because like they're very passionate about what they talk about yeah. you know <laughs> so i think i think those clubs would be like very opening and like you know but obviously, just go what you want, do mm-hmm. what you like, or go off what you enjoy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I also love that you were the one that kind of initiated it. Um, yeah. <laughs> I know it's so hard. I, I'm introverted too. And like, mm-hmm. just if I like meet someone new and I'm like, I feel like we could be friends, I feel so um, like intimidated by just sending mm-hmm. them a text, like inviting them to do I know. something. It's like, I feel that. yeah, it's like, I don't want to be rejected. But then, you, you, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, what's the worst? what's the worst that could happen? Like they say no. And it's like, okay, yeah. maybe we weren't meant to be friends, but no, I, I totally haven't gotten a no that. yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> I totally get that. Yeah. Cause I have a really bad, like, I think it's called a re- rejection sensitivity mm-hmm. thing, but like, I am really scared of rejection. Yeah. So like every time I send a text, we're like, Oh, does anyone want to hang out? Like I, there's a period of time. I think even now that I'm very hesitant to send the first text mm-hmm. because I've been ignored or because I've been like, um, let down so many times. Yeah. I think this friend group really built my confidence more to be like, hey, yeah. you know, do you want to hang out? And obviously, because now we're all, we're, I'm like 22, all my friends are like in their 20s, mm-hmm. they're working, yeah. or they have internships, and like over school is just really, their majors like just hella mm-hmm. hard, and like they need time to school for school. So it's it's okay for them to say no, because like yeah. they have to worry about their own stuff too. Definitely. So I think that this friend group really built my um confidence i would say Mm -hmm. or like um help me in that aspect to be like it's okay to ask it's okay if they say no Mm -hmm. it's fine yeah definitely i love that i love that you found some some good people (laughs) in your life um and you were also recently diagnosed with adhd which i think kind of goes back to Mm -hmm. things that you were mentioning earlier on like in school and like being distracted so would you mind sharing a bit about your experience with adhd so Honestly, I didn't know much about ADHD before I was diagnosed. Honestly, I just thought it was like just being hyper because it's in the name. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then I think my aunt was still because my, my cousin has ADHD mm-hmm. and my aunt was like, oh, you have a lot of things that you like do are very similar to your cousin. She thought maybe I had ADD, which is like, honestly, I don't really know what the difference is. There's <laughs> one that's hyper, there's one that's not. Yeah. Yeah. But like, I... Um, she thought I had ADD and then uh, I, I really pushed away the idea of being tested because I was like, you know what? I don't want to have a label on me. I don't want to like think about it. Um, but I think it came a time that's like, hey, 
I think if I were to get tested or like diagnosed, it would really help. Like, and I get accommodations, it could really help my school life. So um, I went to a psychiatrist, same one my cousin got.、Uh, my cousin went to,、mm-hmm. and I got a diagnosis. And it's, you, know, you have ADHD. I'm like, oh, that makes makes sense, because <laughs> like, like you scroll through like TikTok or like you read the symptoms and stuff.、Mm-hmm. Things that I never knew were related to ADHD. Are related, yeah. And then, and then, in my mind, I'm like, oh, that makes a lot more sense about why I do these things or why I think a certain way.、Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in school, like, like my mom, since kindergarten all the way to high school, she always had to go see my par- my、uh, teachers.、Mm-hmm. Like, there's not one parent teacher conference that she missed because my <laughs> teachers always want to see my mom、mm-hmm. because the number one thing they say is like, hey. Your your daughter's not focusing in school. Like she's always daydreaming in the back.、Mm-hmm. She's always talking. <laughs> she's always like not listening.、Um, and in hindsight, I'm like, oh, it's just a, I can't focus,、mm-hmm. and I don't have resources in school to like help me. You know, I just had to like power through it. And also, like ADHD is like if you're not diagnosed when you're a kid, it's very hard, especially as a girl. It's very hard to get diagnosed. Yeah. So, yeah. So. After learning about my ADHD diagnosis, I was like, "Oh!" And then I had I got accommodations for the、like、extended timing, and like、mm-hmm. if I need someone to take notes for me, I I can. So that really helped me in my school life. Yeah. yeah. Do you mind、mm-hmm. sharing a few of the symptoms、um, that you personally experience, like things that you didn't think would be categorized as ADHD, but you kind of can think back on now and see, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. That that was probably like part of my ADHD. <laughs> Um, I really can't think any like m- like I have a lot.、Mm-hmm. I just can't think of much、uh, on the top of my head. Yeah, but definitely、okay. like not being able to focus.、Mm-hmm. Um, the anxiety and depression that comes with ADHD, I experience that heavily.、Mm-hmm. Um, is there more things to my ADHD? Maybe you know. Yeah, we'll leave that for future me to、yeah. think about. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> but I definitely struggle with the depression and anxiety that comes with ADHD. Um. Stimming, so like always having to、uh, have some kind of stimulus. Like, I didn't think, I didn't know it was normal to always have a video playing in the background,、mm-hmm. just to have noise. Yeah, like I, I think many people do that, but I didn't know it was part of, like, just having having to have some kind of like stimulus all the time,、mm-hmm. or then, or as compared to like having no stimulus. Like when I go to the gym, you know how always people wear music when they gym. Yeah. I wear it, but then sometimes I get annoyed and I just take it off. Yeah, I was like, I'd rather gym in silence. Yeah, <laughs> I listen to the dumbbell clink the floor or something.、Uh. So it's like either too much or too little.、Mm-hmm. Um, always fidgeting, always dancing in public. Like very weird, but like I'm always like wanting to move sometimes.、Um, yeah, De- but definitely like all the little things, big things like. Um, when you read through, like, oh, symptoms of ADHD, I definitely have like mo- most of what they most of what they describe. Yeah.、Um, but yeah. Okay, that's that's nice to know.、Um, I know everyone experiences ADHD、mm-hmm. differently, but I was just curious, like, what your what your personal、mm-hmm. um, symptoms are. I think also because ADHD, I think it's mostly researched in men. Yeah. It's not really researched in、uh, females, so、mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. 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 Definitely. <laughs> I know that since mental health is such like a sensitive topic, 
um, in your culture. Did you, when you shared the news with your family about having ADHD, um, what was their reaction to that? My mom was actually one of the people, because my aunt uh, told my mom, it's like, hey, I think Ariel would really benefit if she gets tested. And I think my mom, she said she wasn't surprised because mm-hmm. I think she, I mean, she was the one that's like kind of noticed I wasn't really like quote unquote a normal kid when I was like, when I was young. Yeah. Um, so she wasn't really surprised. Um, my brother, he's like really nonchalant. So he wasn't really, he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so there wasn't really like a big, like, oh my God, you have ADHD. Mm-hmm. But I think my mom kind of, or like the older generation kind of really only associates ADHD with like, oh, you can't focus or you're like moving too much. Mm-hmm. But there's like so much more that comes with this diagnosis and with this uh, mental illness Yeah, that they don't really like, you know, like let's say like depression comes with ADHD. They're willing to acknowledge the ADHD part, but they're not willing to acknowledge the depression part that comes mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, would you mind touching a bit on like your your personal experience with depression, anxiety in relation mm-hmm. to ADHD? Like has that, do you feel like you have felt symptoms of depression, anxiety, like from a young age? Like when did mm-hmm. you feel like most affected by that? I felt, I, I, I kind of felt, I wasn't diagnosed, obviously, but I kind of always felt like a very like sad emotion. Mm-hmm. Like I know like there's always like there's, when they, when when you're some people are like I'm sad, yeah. But then they try they say like oh I'm so depressed today. That's a different thing, you know. Mm-hmm. It's just a wrong choice of words. Yeah. Um. But I think I always kind of felt a very like negative emotion when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely more. It was definitely more amplified um, after coming to the United States. And I would say these past few months, like I've met my this, these past few months are considered my best few months because I've like I met this group of friends, I met my boyfriend, I moved to a new place and like I'm doing good. Mm-hmm. But then it's also weirdly enough the darkest. Like I've never felt so sad. I've never it's the darkest I've ever been, like the darkest period I've ever been through. Um which is really weird. I don't know why either. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely like throughout my whole life I kind of felt depressed and because I grew up kind of being taught that or not even by my parents, but like I think in the society that I grew up in, that like being sad is not good. Like mm-hmm. you should not be sad. Like yeah. there are people who are doing worse, or like why are you sad when you like have all these good things? So you should be grateful. Or and I've I've always just kind of learned how to hide my feelings. So I think one of the biggest things I think with ADHD too is masking. I'm mm-hmm. always like pretending, um, so I can feel very sad and stuff, but. And or is someone talking to me that I don't want them to be talking? I'm yeah. like always pretending. And it gets kind of confusing. It's like, oh, am I doing this because I like them? Or uh, am I doing this thing because I like doing it? Or am I doing it because I'm pretending to like it? Mm-hmm. So it gets confusing for me too. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a, it's definitely from young, I kind of felt a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then now it's just more amplified. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting. Um I feel like that's probably pretty common. I don't know enough mm-hmm. about ADHD yeah. and its relation to depression, anxiety, but I'm sure that other people out there are experiencing similar things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you touched on something so important of like of feeling two different, very different feelings at the same time. Like you mm-hmm. are experiencing a really happy time in your life and yet you can still have those sad feelings. I think mm-hmm. both are true and both are valid. I know. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I'm sure it's like a very confusing time, but <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I hope that the, I hope the good outweighs the bad, but um, I think that also is very, very normal and should be more normalized too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, going back to your relationship with your mom, because I know um, it seems like from a young age, like your mom kind of misunderstood your mental health and your emotions. So um, how did that impact you and your mental health? Um, I would say my mom is, I think my mom is a great mom. Mm-hmm. Like given the circumstances that we're in, like we're not very, we're not very rich. Like I think people have a misunderstanding that most international, most international students are kind of rich because mm-hmm. you have money to come here. But my family doesn't really, like they're using their life savings to like help me come here. Yeah. Um. So they're not very well off. So, but given their situation, given the work they have, I think they did the best they can. Um, but when I was a kid, my parents weren't really home because they're like working. Um, and I was I was being brought up by by nanny. Um, and yeah, my parents they it's <laughs> it's a very typical like movie thing that like oh my I'm at the school recital, but my parents aren't here. Like mm-hmm. you know, I kind of always wanted them to be like more involved in my life because yeah. they don't really know who I am, even though they're my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, but my mom, I grew up seeing her have breakdowns, like very severe breakdowns. Yeah. And I, I, I always wondered why. Um, no, I didn't. I just, people, were just, people always tell me that your mom is just angry. Your mom is just dramatic or something. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, there's definitely a deeper reason to why she's having these, not just breakdowns, but very like dramatic, like not dramatic, but like very like overly like breakdowns in front of her children. Because yeah. most parents, I think, try not to show that side in front of their kids be it a good thing a bad thing you know they try not to show that side in front of their Mm -hmm. kids but then they very openly like have it in front of us like they're always fighting in front of us um and then from there I'm like oh maybe I I shouldn't every time I want to share with my mom something I want to like say that I'm feeling this thing I'm like oh I shouldn't do that Mm because then my mom would my mom would say this my mom would say that not even my mom like my parents would say this or say that um and then and then there's a period of time where I was very close to my mom I I I told her everything and stuff and like I couldn't keep any secrets from her like any anytime something happened to me in a day I'm like oh man I'm gonna tell my mom that when she comes home from work today I I was very close to my mom for a period of time but then after coming to the U.S. I think I struggled with my emotions here and my mom doesn't know my mom doesn't really know how to handle stress Mm -hmm. so she kind of piles it on and she's not the type of person to like ask for help yeah so she piles it on on herself and then then she lashes out at people Mm -hmm. so then we're like oh we're trying to help you but then you're trying to you're lashing out at us we don't know how to help you um and it's all like it's it's a whole mess yeah (laughs) yeah um i think my mom I think right even right now it's been like two months since I talked to her because I I don't know how to process my feelings mm-hmm. um to be able to talk to her yeah I'm gonna call her soon hopefully mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um but yeah I think at this point um my my mom's how my mom acted when I was a kid or like how my parents acted when I was a kid really affected how I am now as a person yeah. and I really struggle with that because um, I don't know if you know about attachment styles, but I'm an anxious attachment style. Mm-hmm. Um, but my boyfriend is very secure. Like he's like as stable as a rock. Yeah. He's like stable. <laughs> so um, seeing how my parents interacted when I was a kid um, and seeing how 
yeah, be it individually or like interacting with each other, Mm -hmm. it really affected me in ways I didn't know because like after meeting my boyfriend and having my first ever relationship, I, there are things that are like, oh, I struggle with this point of this, I struggle with maybe communication because my parents didn't communicate. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I'm like a bit advocate, I'm like, I, I always say like, just communicate. Yeah. But then I didn't know how much it affected me to the point, like, I say I can communicate, but I don't know how to. Or, like, I really struggle to be, like, I want to tell you how I feel, but I don't want to feel like I'm bringing you down. Yeah. And, like, that that real, like, struggle of, mm-hmm. like, having to these, like, very big conflicting emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know it was, like, stemmed from my parents. Yeah. <laughs> Most probably from my parents because I grew up with them. And that's the when the, the first, like, relationship that you really um witness is your parents relationship Mm -hmm. yeah so you would want to like not copy but like you want to that is the like ideal really ideal relationship the norm yeah 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 the norm that would be the norm for you Mm -hmm. but then apparently it's not so you're like oh my god what's happening (laughs) oh it's so it's so true and it sounds like it's almost like duh like obviously that's like how you how you mm-hmm. act in a relationship is what you, you know, what you saw growing up. But for mm-hmm. me, it took me years to figure that out. So mm-hmm. um, it's always fun to learn those things about yourself mm-hmm. um, as an adult. But yeah. For me, for me too, because I'm the oldest child. I have one younger brother. Mm-hmm. It's also a big thing for me because it's like my parents, okay, let's say my parents are fighting. Mm-hmm. I go to my dad and they're like, oh, your mom did this and this and this. Mm-hmm. And I go to my mom and my mom was like, your dad did this and then this. And I'm like, and I'm the messenger. Yeah. And I'm like, that. as a kid, I don't think I should be doing those. No. <laughs> I don't think that's my responsibility. Exactly. Um, so, like, I think subconsciously, I, I had, I kind of, like, got the role of being a messenger between, like, you know, two, like, people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, it's, uh, I, I remember vividly, like, my parents, oh, my mom or, like, my dad asking me, Oh, if we had a divorce, who would you go with? Oh my gosh! And like, as, as like at like six or seven years old, that's not the question you really no. want to be hearing from your parents. Um, and I didn't know that my pa- my mom asked my brother the same question, mm-hmm. and I and uh, I only learned like maybe a week ago that she asked my brother the same questions too. More than more more than she'd asked me. Wow. She asked my brother probably like three to four times until he was she was he was like maybe like mid high school, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh my gosh, that's like you should not be asking your kids no, especially. No. <laughs> yeah. so I think wow. yeah even then they're like these things you kind of think it's you thought it was normal mm-hmm. and then after you see the world a little more watch yeah. little videos uh talk to different people you kind of learn that hey that's not normal and then now you have to kind of cope with like okay these things are not normal I have to get over that and try to like learn what a healthy relationship is yeah and like learn how to communicate again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you're learning this now in your early yeah. 20s. <laughs> I think that's it's important to yeah, to kind of address mm-hmm. those things and being like so self-aware is so important, but a lot of us, including myself, were not as self-aware <laughs> when yeah. I was in my early 20s, so um just a note for everyone out there listening that address those things early. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, I um I'm kind of curious, do you feel like there's room for your relationship with your mom to improve and to like be open about talking about mental health and addressing her own mental health mm-hmm. um i it's been a while I, the last time i was in singapore was in 2021 mm. 
um, I do plan to go back soon um, because I don't know if I were to get a job here and like stay here long term, it's going to be a while till I go back again. Um, so I one of my plans uh, when I go back is to sit my parents down along with my brother and like have a mature like adult conversation about mm-hmm. things because a lot of times when I talk to my mom or my dad about uh, these things they're really stubborn they don't want to listen yeah. and then they like react very like <laughs> mm-hmm. explosively mm-hmm. but then for me I used to be that person until I'm like this is very tiring it's, yeah. it's very tiring to be yelling all the time to be angry all the time you know I, I kind of just want to like sit down and talk and I'm like, mom and dad, you're both 55. You're old enough. Stop yelling. Yeah. <laughs> we, can have, we can have a mature conversation about mm-hmm. this. Yeah. Um, yeah, it will be very painful. Mm-hmm. I know um, there's definitely a lot of crying will be involved. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want that's definitely one of the big things I want to accomplish because mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to come to the US or I don't want to live in the US without my parents' support. Because like with this yeah. two months of not talking to my parents or my mom, it has been really hard because mm-hmm. I I have my friends, I have my boyfriend, but they can only give me, they can only do so much. Yeah, It's a different, your parents' support is something that's completely different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I want to be, if I'm going to be staying here, I want to be like, I want to repair and have that good relationship with them and update them on things like, hey, I did this, I, hey, I did that, um, and have that support with from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I hope that relationship, oh, sorry, not that really, I hope the conversation <laughs> is healing mm-hmm. um, and can heal the relationship too. Because I think, like, yeah, like you said, there's, um, I wouldn't say nothing like parent support, but it's definitely, yeah, like you said, a different kind of support, um, mm-hmm. I think is so important. Um, but yeah, I I commend you for even having that <laughs> conversation, because I know a lot of families, like, Everyone would mm-hmm. just sweep things under the rug. I feel like that's just like the norm for most families. Just like I, we're just no, not I think talk that about is it. the norm. Yeah. So I kind of want to not. Yeah, I don't want it to be like that. Yeah, yeah. Going back to like the breaking of cycles, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, this is kind of a bigger question, but I'm just curious if you have any thoughts about like what needs to happen in order for the cultural stigma around mental health to change, especially in Singapore. Um. I think me personally, what I think is just being more open-minded. Mm-hmm. I think the difference between the my parents' generation and my grandparents' generation and my our generation is that yes, that they, yes, they have experienced more in life because they're older. But then I think we um, we consume more foreign media, but also and also like we're as like the school curriculum always changes. We're taught to be more open-minded. Like, that's why you see, like, I mean, obviously there's, like, racism and sexism in all ages, but you normally see them in the older generation Mm because they have this mindset that they don't want to change. Yeah. Um, So I'm I'm not going to go as far as say, like, oh, these things won't change until the old generation are not here. That's, like, no, that's bad. But um, I think it's it just takes both parties to be more Mm open-minded. Don't. Every time you hear something that doesn't agree with your opinion, just sit and listen. Like there's obviously it's it's okay to have different opinions, mm-hmm. but then I'm not gonna shame you for having a different opinion. Yeah. I think that's the yeah. yeah. So like yes yes you think about A B and C. I think a different thing, 
but I respect that decision and like there's that and we can come to a compromise Mm -hmm. and be more open like for example um I wish my parents would be more open-minded about me talking about me struggling in the U.S. or like and all that and not the and not their immediate reaction to be like oh you know we're struggling too and all that and like Mm. put yourself in the other people's like you know shoes and like think about where they're coming from Mm -hmm. and just don't be so reactive I guess just be more open-minded empathetic too yeah Yeah, definitely (laughs) yeah uh, before you go, I just wanted to ask if you could end our interview with maybe like one piece of advice you'd like to leave the audience with um, in regards to like mental health or making new mm-hmm. friends, um, ADHD, or just like family struggles or cultural stigmas, mm-hmm. really anything that we've talked about. Um, um, if there's like one piece of advice you have. I... Hmm. I would say just take things slow because... I mean, these personally, these past even like week, it's been really, really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Like I would go, it, it has been very like consistent ups and downs. Um, so I would really just say like take things slow. Like don't be so hard on yourself. Like um, it is unfortunate that we are put in the situation that we've been put in, but and, and obviously if there's a, if, it, if it's like all aspects of your life like you might think that there's not one thing in your life that's going well and I get that because I felt that way the past week but definitely take things slow um, reach out to the people people are always there for you you might not think it but they're, they're they are there for you you just have to reach out or allow them to come to you and you know put down your walls a little bit it's, it's it is scary I know that I think all of all people I know that but know open a little brick you know a little brick hole and let them come in let them talk to you um but yeah just it'll be okay yeah Yeah. I love that yeah (laughs) just let people in a little bit and then see where it goes Mm -hmm. from there and take it slow um Mm -hmm. thank you so much for being on the podcast I really appreciate you being so open about your experience um and I just wanted to leave the the you know this I don't know platform open for you to share um if you want people to like learn more about you or reach out to you or anything do you want to share like social media handles or Mm -hmm. anything else um my instagram is ariel t-a-n-j-y at uh yeah on instagram so a-r-i-e-l-l-e-t-a-n-j-y um on instagram um you can uh you're, I'm open to like hearing about anyone's stories or like if you need anyone to talk about like yes I'm a stranger but you can always talk to me like I'm open to like knowing new people or like learning about their experiences so yeah don't feel like too scared to reach out I'm yeah. always open to talk <laughs> that's so nice and sometimes having a stranger to talk to is like the easiest easier yeah. <laughs> to do I don't know why but yeah I appreciate you opening your your dms essentially to people yeah. who want to share their experiences so thank you again for being on the podcast I hope we mm-hmm. can connect or you know you can update me in the future on how things are going um but until then take care and we'll talk soon thank you all right bye Thanks for listening to the To Be Honest podcast. We are incredibly grateful for your support over the last four seasons and look forward to sharing even more personal mental health journeys and stories in the future to help normalize the conversation around this topic. To Be Honest is a program of Momentum for Health that encourages youth and young adults ages 14 to 25 to express themselves through creative media and seek help in times of need. If you or a loved one is looking for behavioral health services, 
please call 988 to locate options available in your area. Season four of the podcast is hosted and edited by me, Avery Cruz. We'll also be incorporating a few special episodes into the season created and recorded by a handful of our youth advisory board members who will be introduced in future episodes. The podcast theme music was created by Julia Steele. To learn more about the To Be Honest program, please visit www.tobehonest.today and follow us on Instagram for the latest news at tobehonest.today. Bye!